Come and dream with me. The Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help you answer the question, do you reckon Tom Cruise would actually want King Charles to be his wingman? I don't think so. I'm host, Ashley Hobley, join me today. Dylan Blight. Yeah, very weird. Uh, I actually thought it was a fake story, but there you go. No, yeah. You know, a bunch of people paid money. We paid a lot of money to say nice things about Royal. <laughs> Weird. Weird indeed. Did you watch anything of the coronation? Or you just, just, nah, it's all done. I saw Twitter, I saw a Twitter clip. The Grim Reaper was running around in the background. <laughs> Does that count? I don't think so. Otherwise, no, I don't understand why anyone would watch that. I also don't care about the royals. Yes. I find it very weird anytime I see on the news people being like, I've been camped out here for 20 years, and they... Because that was the only thing I saw. I saw something on the news where there was like, obviously, there was interviewing people or whatever, and they're like, and we've, we just think they're such down-to-earth people and stuff like that. We just came all the way from Adelaide, to, uh, Australia, to see them. I'm like, people think I'm a loser for buying Pokemon cards. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like no. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, it was the only thing on at the time, because every single network, I think, was airing the same footage. Although I read apparently the ABC's footage uh, coverage, super <laughs> super anti-royal, which would have been amusing to watch. Uh, but yeah, let us know your thoughts on the <laughs> coronation. I guess how's it rate to the other coronations you've seen? <laughs> right, on today's episode of What Do You Want to Watch, we're talking about what's in our watch history, covering some film news, talking, giving some thumbs with some trailers, and letting you know this week's top three. Uh, kick things off with a few things we've talked about elsewhere. Uh, the big release of the week, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, we've got a spoiler cast up on all new Marvel cast. Uh, of course, the final entry of James Gunn's trilogy featuring the Guardians of the Galaxy, the you know breakout Marvel stars uh, in which uh, you know, they're up against the High Revolutionary. Uh is it a spoiler to say exactly what the kickoff point of the the film is? As in, as in what, like what happens? In what's the driving force for them going out on their adventure? No, I feel like the trailer. The way I would explain it is like, at least based on the trailers, I think it was very obvious that the high evolutionary is the person who, like, created Rocket. But I think I feel like that yes. was evident from the trailer. Um, how they get entwined and all that sort of stuff. I feel it's like when they, and how he, how he comes back into the lives of the guardians and. No, I was stuff. more saying that. Is that a spoiler? Uh, I would say yes. Cool. <laughs> I would edit that bit out. Because the one shot of him almost, yeah, at the in okay, the trailer, yeah. you don't know if that's at the end of the movie or like what the, the trailer never implies. The trailer makes it yeah. look like he's in it the entire time. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dylan, so what are your thoughts? Non-spoilery thoughts after that spoiler that I dropped. Non-spoiler thoughts. Uh, very good movie. Uh, wraps up the, the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy well. 
uh, heartfelt sort of uh, finishes off the majority of the character stories. I say majority because my only real major negative is that uh, I mean, outside, I could get and be like, eh, some of the just like the just too digital effecty at times for me. But anyway, my my major things is that the the newly introduced characters or main introduced new character does feel weird to like introduce when you wrap up everyone's else's story. You know what I mean? It's just like everyone else is coming to the end, and like it seems like it's the it's the end of the chapter, the end of this guardian story and stuff, and they're like, hey, here's a new character. That's odd, but otherwise, coming to learn more about Rocket's past, something that's been hinted about through all of these other movies and the Avengers films and what have you, uh, makes for a very strong anti-animal abuse story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the interesting thing to come out of. It's like uh, that a lot of people are turned off by the movie because of that, and that's understandable. Um, oh. I mean, I said in our spoilers discussion that a lot of that stuff is very dark to watch. Not that that's... A, and again, I'll say it again, not saying it as a negative, but just as a comment. It is... Some of those scenes are dark. Yeah. Uh, I really love the film. It's a fantastic conclusion to the trilogy. Um, really enjoyable. Very much uh, a fantastic... It, it's... I think pretty. I would say it's the best post Endgame film we've had in the MCU so far. Um, but you know that I think we all suspected it would be because you know it's James Gunn coming back to his characters that he created and loved and built. Um, yeah, just really enjoyable, really heart, heartfelt story. Um, it's interesting that like articles are going around. I've seen like people saying, "Oh, they should." I can't believe this movie's. They put all this animal cruelty stuff in the film. This is a movie where kids, little kids are going. The movie's PG-13. Learn your ratings, Americans, you know? That's also a tweet. But also, about, kids like... should be taught this kind of stuff, you know? It's very important to emotionally scar them with stuff like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw someone tweet something the other day about how parents have just become so used to ignoring ratings that they're sort of redundant. You know, people start yes. complaining about, oh, this movie's too dark for my child. And it's like, well, that's the rating does tell you that. Yes, that is what the rating says. And then yeah. they're being like, yeah, but but it's Marvel. So, like, the, it's more that parents just view the, is it animated? My kid can watch it. Is it superheroes? My kid can watch it. Less so than what the actual, the reason the the got the rating system was invented in the first place to actually t- t- not tell yeah. let the parents judge the poster by the book by its cover to decide if they could can watch it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a bunch of kids went to see Deadpool and stuff like that. Oh, they did. I remember reading stories. Yeah, yeah. So oh. I don't know if I talked about it here, but I went to when I went to see John Wick, Chapter Four. It was like a family with like a bunch of. Seven-year-olds in the audience. Yep, I had a yeah. I had a family, which again I don't care if. It was like, and also, like, they played the Evil Dead Rise trailer before, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I was like, your fa- I had a family of mine too, with kids that looked honestly about five or six. Uh, your family, your choice. But I don't. I only start getting annoyed when these people start complaining. You know. Yeah. And they're like, you well, you just can't like, <laughs> like that's the part that annoys me. If you want to take your fucking two-year-old kid to Evil Dead Rise, I don't give a fuck, but. Uh, also, Peter, the, org- 
animal advocacy organization I came out. Peter Quill, but yeah, no, Peter. Yeah. They came out in support of the movie. You know, called it their film of the year. Wow. Okay. So I mean, that says a lot. They're, and they're real film critics. So yeah, they're they're very critical of movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the other talking point out of Guardians of the Galaxy, other than you know, uh, it being really good, getting very high ratings. Uh, it only it made 114 million dollars at the domestic box office in America, according to current estimates. It isn't 100 percent confirmed, um, but that would rank it lowest amongst all the Disney's uh, Marvel releases during the summer since 2013. Mm. Uh, is it a case of uh, Marvel fatigue, or is it a case of uh? people still not 100% comfortable going to the movie theaters. Why do you think this movie maybe didn't meet expectations financially? Because the last bunch of Marvel movies have been pretty mediocre or bad. Mm. I think it's that. I think I think we've had a bunch of other movies that people were happy to go watch Avatar and Top Gun and whatever else. When movies are good, people are happy to go watch them. But, (laughs) yeah. I I don't don't think the COVID effects cinemas thing... I'm sure it does a little bit, but I, I think the majority of people are back in cinemas that want to go cinemas, at least based on the numbers. Yeah. When they're good movies. Movies, movie viewing is generally down because of COVID because people are also doing that whole like, oh, just, well, I fuck the cinemas. Like, I'll just, like, why can't I just watch it at home? You know, those people. So I'm yep, sure there's a, true. like, there was an element of those couple years affecting the way people view the cinema as a place to go and support the industry and watch the movies. So, but overall, I'd say the reason Guardians is down is because the last, the, the majority of Marvel movies that have come out for the last couple of years have sucked. Like, sucked or been average at best. Yes. All right. Like I said, you can go listen to our spoiler cast over on all new Marvel cast, uh, where we talk about pretty much everything in the movie. <laughs> it's pretty great. Pretty good discussion. A lot of fun. Um, we also had Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Well, season two, I can't remember which would, what it technically classified. Uh, the series of uh, Star Wars-inspired short films uh, done by a ver- variety of different animation studios uh, around the world. The first season was done primarily by Japanese animation studios. This one was a little bit more internationally flavoured uh, with a lot of differing art styles and uh, animation techniques. Uh yeah, Dylan, what did you think of season two of Star Wars Visions? Yeah, so I put a review up. I think I gave it eight and a half. I yes, think. that sounds right. Sounds, sounds right. Uh, really enjoyed it. I definitely feel like it's stronger than the first season by having a variety of influences rather than the just Japan-based anime animation studios. Because Star Wars Vision season one is definitely Star Wars, but anime, like... And obviously it's like, well, yes, Dylan, because anime is because Japanese animation is anime. I know that, but I'm just saying it has that feeling of it's just Star Wars, but we've made it anime as fuck, which means yeah. that there's a lot of lightsaber fights and intense, like, whoa, like typical anime, Japanese uh, animation stuff, just which Jedi is fine. Versus Sith. Yeah. yeah, all that sort of stuff, which is fun. And I enjoyed the first season and a lot of those stories were what it was. Obviously, the standout one was the, the samurai, um, the first episode, the whatever it was. Yeah, the Ronin one. Uh, but yeah, 
season two having a lot more variety amongst both the animation styles from stop motion to more cgi looking to even the last episode where there's like very fairy looking creatures and stuff like there's a lot more happening here um and then also the stories themselves the type of characters they do a lot of swerves and different directions on stories that you're like oh i probably know where this is going and then it does go in the direction you think it is at all so um not relying on major voice actors to sell the stories either i guess like big names or anything like that i, I do appreciate that just telling solid stories and yeah I, I think it's just very very good and you know as i said in my review it just showcases how much better star wars is when we go and explore different directions outside of what white hollywood america wants from <laughs> star wars you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the season. A uh, lot of fantastic shorts, uh, even though there are a couple of annoying kids characters. <laughs> um, that would be my only major gripe throughout it. Uh, lots of different fun tones. Like there's the Ardman short, which is just a straight up comedy, pretty much. Um, which is was totally different to the first season. I don't think there was there were a couple of like kid friendly ones, but there was yeah, nothing. There was like, nothing that was like straight comedic. up like. Yeah, for people who don't know, Ardman, Wallace and Gromit. So it's literally just yeah. Wallace and Gromit, but Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just really interesting project and, like, you know, exciting ideas. Like, uh, just amazing what you can do if you don't have to worry about the canon of, of Star Wars. Um, yeah, this is one of the most exciting Star Wars projects currently being done. Yeah, because it's it's just fresh and everything is new and even if you don't particularly like a certain short it's quite short so you yeah they're like the 15 one. minutes average 20 minutes yeah. a couple of them but yeah yeah so fun little bite-sized bits of star wars you know that will you know and beautifully animated like i don't think there's a terribly animated short amongst the bunch um <laughs> yeah just a really interesting project uh so yeah we talked about it in depth over on holocron entries uh even ranking all of them so check it out over there um and then dylan you watched uh brandon cronenberg's latest film infinity pool releasing in cinemas this thursday finally yeah finally uh came out in america about 10 years ago brandon cronenberg's next film uh is now coming to australian cinemas uh, so, Infinity Pool is... I don't really know how to describe it, so let's read the official synopsis. Uh, James and M. Foster are enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of La Tolka when a fatal, accidental, a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism, reckless violence, and surreal horrors. Um, yeah, so the story basically goes that you've got Alexander Skarsgård playing the main character, um, James, He's on holiday with M, played by Cleopatra Coleman. They're at this very obviously fiction. It's a fictional country, a fictional island or whatever, but very obviously inspired by you know all these tourism locations that people go to, where they po- you know they go to Thailand and people wreck the beach. Like I point out, like I, remember, I looked up the name of that beach that everyone that I remember reading about a couple of years ago that they shut down or whatever because tourism just wrecked it in Thailand. Um, and I, weirdly, if you look at my track history, and I don't know if you're going to bring it up later, m- my thoughts on this movie, and again, I don't know if the main point, but this is a good thing about good art, right? Let me go deep on this. I don't know if the main takeaway from this movie is supposed to be around tourism. It's definitely part of the conversation, but that was a big part of my takeaway. 
to the point that I went <laughs> in my Google searches, it suddenly got I suddenly like Google's like, hey, you're you're Googling tourism like for this place. Here's this documentary that just came out about like tourism places we fucked up. Do you want to watch that? And I was like, yes. So if you look at my track history and I watched a, a documentary about fucked up tourism and how we ruin it, uh, that was related back to this film. But um. Yeah, so they 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 sneak out one night because it's all like a gated in community where they're like this beach, beautiful place. But then, of course, on the outside, you know, you've got run down sort of third world country vibes. But they're you know, everyone I'm sh- I'm sure is taking their fucking their rich Instagram pictures in here and all this sort of shit. Um, and then they go out because they meet uh, Mia Goff's character, um, and she is yeah. <laughs> Mia Goth is the fucking standout from this movie for multiple reasons. She's having the, she's just like eating the scenes in the later half of the movie, fantastically. But yeah, so they meet her. Uh, no, what's the character name? Gabby and her partner Alvin, who's played by Jahil Laspart. Laspart, yes. Uh, he and they like sneak out of the the border of this gated community to go to a different beach, and then they're all having a great time. They get drunk or whatever, and then when they're driving home, they hit this farmer, and then they run back to the hotel and like try and hide it cops come in the morning but then when they get arrested the cops are like hey how about you pay us we clone you and you will kill the clone and that's the punishment so you you, like because the punishment for this crime that you've done is like we'll kill you you know like it's capital murder sort of sort of thing but because they're rich it's like the it's the ultimate form of like privileged power using like we can we can not we can afford to get out of jail not only can i afford to get out of jail i can afford to get out of having to be killed because i can just pay to have a clone of me made so then after this as his partner m um is rightfully freaking the fuck out and wanting to go home uh alexander skarsgård's character is like sort of dives into this world with mia gob's character and a bunch of other characters are introduced of just absolutely living in the most just disgusting way of no care about anything they do there um yeah just i don't know it's hard to talk about going in sports stuff but they just they they're just they just like have no care in the world they're just they just think they're the most powerful person because if they get arrested for anything they can do whatever they want they just pay to get out doesn't matter so there's no repercussions for them at all so um i really enjoyed it i gave it a nine um it's not going to be for everyone it is definitely fucked up at times uh has a lot of (laughs) um disgusting imagery that might uh not even in like a violent way there's also like some sexual imagery that may be too much for some people especially since the the version that got released into australia is the unrated version which has a couple scenes i looked up the difference between and there's like one scene early in the movie that's I won't spoil it. It's just straight up maybe too much for some people, but um, that was like some key difference between the this and the, the other version. But um, as a huge, like I really like Alexander Skarsgård and a lot of his movie choices over the last couple of years. Um, and I, I bet he's really good in this. Uh, but it's it's definitely Mia Goth who's the standout, and she's definitely on my like one of my favorite actress pools at the moment just between x and pearl last year and then this and obviously i point out like you know she's been a role since suspiria um of sort of just becoming a um indie horror girl darling so yeah um really really good so yeah definitely not an ash film but um i shockingly (laughs) not an ash film but yeah i really really liked it uh liked it and it's definitely one of my favorite films of the year so far 
So, and if it came to my cinema, which it won't, I would happily go watch it again on the big screen. But um, yeah, Rip. no, it looks like it's purely indie cinemas. Yeah. Uh, so if you got one near you, go check out Infinity Pool or read Dylan's review on ExplosionNetwork.com. Uh, so Dylan, on your list, you've got a film called The Last Tourist. Yeah, uh, that you watched <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as I was saying, this is the this popped up the Google doing the, the thing where it just it's popped up for some reason. I don't know. It, it, smart AI is always listening. We're, we're never alone anyway. Uh, came out in twenty two or twenty one. Twenty one. Came out in twenty one. So this documentary covers the interesting about this is they started making it prior to COVID. So then like they had to do that whole thing where like towards the end of the movie, COVID happens and they have like a message pop up on the screen. They sort of then talk about how COVID affects tourism and stuff like that. But yeah, it talks about how tourism was once a thing of only for the super rich, but then as it became more accessible, more people started doing it. But, you know, basically we are ruining all these places <laughs> like there's no there's no way around it like they they cover all these beautiful amazing locations that people go to but then also uh, people are either going to them and just like going to these beaches and just like dumping all their rubbish um and what have you or um they're going to these places and it just shows you know the crowds of people at these mass tours tourist locations and everyone's on their phone taking selfies or people lining up to just take the the photo it's like is anyone there to actually like are they enjoying it or are they just lining up to get the photo and then they just hop on a plane they go to the next location like you're just tourism your tourism tourism is just for photos like it's it dives into that angle too and another part they talk about is how you know a lot of these uh capitalism majorly affects like uh the way in which tourism is even done because you know a lot of tourism is done via these boat tours at the moment and they they cover how people go on these these boat tours where they'll they, you know what if, what the fuck's the official name for those the the boat tour things you know when you go cruise? Uh, cruise yes cruise people go on these cruise i forgot what it's called people go on these cruises and they'll get dropped off at these you know little locations and they'll spend a day there or night there or what have you and then they'll go on the boat back to the next location etc 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 um, but these boats, like they're like, oh, I'm on a tour, a big tour, and some of them are fucking go kart rallies and whatever else. It's crazy. And then they get dropped off, and they they'll have a list of like those show sheets where it's like, oh, only shop at these places, these places, these places, because the other places the locals will rip you off. And then they're talking to the the people there who are, you know, they're like, oh, tourism really helps the these 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 cities, these countries, what have you. And then they're interviewing the people who actually make um local be it t-shirts clothing you know whatever items restaurants and stuff like that and they're like we get nothing like we don't get a kickback from the government because it's all they've made some deal with this american company that's getting all the money we don't get a kickback because no one shops at our shops because they're told not to shop to a shop by us they're only told to go to these other particular shops which are either all run and owned or secretly run and owned by like um american or um first world countries and you know like it's just it's it's not it's nightmare fuel is what this is. If you want to watch something that makes you feel terrible about tourism, here you go. Watch this. But yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I you have you'll have no positive message uh, about tourism coming out. Of it. Good documentary. That's great to <laughs> hear when a large portion of a country relies on tourism to survive. But uh, <laughs> yeah, check out that documentary. 
I mean, it's definitely they don't they don't talk about like, hey, it's 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 the focus is on the the third world country, the the you know the ones we're ruining, not the hey, oh, not it's it's not it's Melbourne. not America's going to well, no, it is a little bit of like Americans going to other countries like it's Japan all these trans kind of badly, right? That's what yeah, all that sort of stuff, and it's fucking or whatever else, but yes. It's not like people coming to Australia where we're and they're like like ruining our beaches. Like it's it's mostly focused on the, the other places where people need the money, and we we and we're told we're like injecting money into these places or helping them yeah. out. But it's all just white guilt bullshit. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Uh, all right. So we both watched the first two episodes of the new Apple TV series Silo, uh, in which some sort of event has happened on the planet Earth, uh, and a bunch of people have been living in a silo uh, community for several generations, uh, starring Rebecca Ferguson uh, and David Oliowo. Yeah, I've enjoyed the first two episodes so far. They're definitely introductory episodes. Um but they do a really good job of like setting up like kind of the world that they're living in, <laughs> like setting up the idea of like there's is there's all there's like 120 levels apparently in the silo, and there's a mayor, and then there's like a structure, and then there's a whole kind of uh, like law around how the the world works, I guess, how how the silo runs, and then they've got this camera that look is looking outside of the silo, and then you know, it's directly got, they've got screens throughout the entire silo so they can see what's happening outside um, on the camera. Um, And then if people don't want to be in the silo anymore, they could just say, I want out of the silo. And they get forced to go outside. uh, And then one request is to clean the camera. Uh, But then this whole weird mystery around what the origins of the silo were, why why do people get sent outside to clean? Um, why do why is no one outside the silo? And there's apparently a massive like civil war like 120 years ago that destroyed all remnants of what happened prior to the silo and that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it so far, but yeah, very li- it very introductory these first two episodes. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of the first two episodes of Silo? Yeah, I watched them both back to back last night, and I loved it. I'm fucking super in this is the, the i i'm all about this type of shit this 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 is the sort of show i can get dive straight into and the only disappointing thing i have about it is episode two finished and i was like yeah and they were like <laughs> coming this friday i was like fuck <laughs> so it's like fuck um, why do i get in now <laughs> <laughs> no i'm happy to support the show because we know they need the you know, they, you know all these places they need you to watch it weekly not fucking wait to binge it so uh but yes having two episodes drop out, uh at the gate makes perfect sense considering the way the the first two episodes are set up because the first one um is all focused on um what the fuck's that actress's name um, rashida jones rashida jones is like the main character in that first episode because she's the the wife of um uh olio woe's uh sheriff holston character and yeah. she sort of has this huge awakening that leads her to like want to go out and i don't think that's a spoiler because that's like pretty much shown within the first 10 seconds and then they flash back so um then 
at the end of that episode, they introduced the actual main character of the show, who's Rebecca Ferguson's character. But you yeah. don't get to see, you spend the entirety of episode two, and I presume for the next nine episodes or eight episodes, whatever it is, um, with her. Uh, also, it's very funny that I remember watching trial for this now, like also starring Ian Glenn, uh, who's from Game of Thrones. And I was like, I haven't seen this motherfucker once, so I expect he's going to show up next, uh, next week. I was the guy there. But, it's like freaking um, Commons in this movie. He's like, in a, yeah, Commons in it for like two seconds. Like two seconds. Um, who else? Tim Robbins is one of the main characters, apparently, based on the poster and everything. And he's in it. He has like five seconds in the first episode. So yeah, it's sort of a. <laughs> it's like it's not really two episodes. It's like a. It's like a epilogue and a prologue. I don't know. It's like it's a prologue to a prologue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, there's there's a lot happening here. I don't like you, you. Sort of seem to be talking about like it's a little bit too much sort of setup. But I don't feel like they drag anything out. Like it's 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 the. In fact, I would say that the the amount they're willing to give. In those first two episodes, I really appreciate it and not trying to do because the 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 differing yeah. factor I feel like between this and other similar shows is that straight away, at least I'm taking it to be the truth. Straight away, the question of is the silo bullshit and is the world bad out there is at least fifty percent answered. Like straight away in that first yeah. episode, there's still a red herring question of what's happening out there's still questions but the main question i feel like most shows years ago would have spent an entire season waiting to answer they're like no nah, there's that All right so you're like i feel that's what's helping me at least feel fresh and excited about this yeah. is there i mean even episode two the way episode two ends with rebecca ferguson's character even that i was like any other show years ago they would have spent fucking half a season waiting for her to decide to do what she does at the end of that episode to go yeah. down to where she's looking currently um Yes, I really enjoy also everyone that's in this in particular. I'm a big fan of Rebecca Ferguson, obviously from the mm-hmm. Mission Impossible movies and stuff like that. But um, she's definitely got that like kick-ass character. I mean, it's a bit different in June and whatever else. But yeah, obviously, yeah. Or fucking Doctor Sleep, even where she plays a fucking evil wizard. But um, the <laughs> uh, but yes, she's definitely. Got... Do you not know that's what she plays? She plays a back... um in yeah. She's got that like kick-ass sort of strong female character vibe happening in this that i i I think she does quite well in in different things and that's really good rashida jones is really good in the first episode as well um there's a also really enjoyed for the small amount we get him that um i can't remember the the actor's name but the guy who plays george i feel like did a good job and um, maybe we'll get more of him in flashbacks and stuff like that the show's the show's like jumping around like yeah it is very timey-wimey jumping all over the place uh, yeah, lots of bold choices in these first couple episodes. Especially, you know, most of the shows, the the character death that happens in the second episode would not happen till like near Ages, the finale. Yeah, yeah. I definitely so. don't feel like they're dragging anything out, which makes me excited for how it's like the pacing. There's a lot happening here, but I'm already like I can wrap my head around it because there's yeah. answers, questions answered pretty much straight away. A lot straight away. Like yeah. so, hopefully, yeah. They do that consistently, and then, you know, there's yeah. just other questions raised from those answers. I know the core thing, which is there's a silo. It was built, we don't know how long ago. However, we do know 140 years ago, there was a civil war where they destroyed the artifact, the, the old materials. All records. Then <laughs> there's these, now they're illegal to have older stuff from the before time, which they refer to as artifacts. Like, I've only watched it last night, and I've already got, like, in my head, I understand, like, the, law, the general yeah. law. Yeah, so crazy uh so yeah check out solo on apple tv plus uh while we're on apple tv plus you've been watching uh frog and the toad frog and toad 
I'd give it a look. It's a kid's show, like a yeah. young kid's show. Um, I, as someone who enjoyed Frog and Toad, um, the books as a when I was a kid and stuff, mm. um, I did, I'd give this a look. So I don't know if I'll watch more. Maybe I'll flick it on in the background because I enjoyed it for, for what it was like. And it is definitely the animation style is fun, very vibrant, um, colors and everything like that. Um, it's perfect for kids. That's obviously the, the audience, like, you know, five under sort of audience, young kids. Um, but yeah, the, the, the episodes go in the realm of things such as the, fir- I think it's the first episode that, um, Toad cooks a bunch of cookies and then brings them over the frog. And then the plot is literally, they keep eating them and can't stop because it's so, they're so good, these cookies. So then they decide, they have to figure out how to hide the cookies so they can't eat them. And they keep walking past a bird outside who's like, hey, I'll eat them. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, nah, like we're just trying to find a way to hide them. And they like dig them in a hole and I'll wrap them up. And then every time they do that, then Toad will be like, yeah, but like, what if we decide to dig them out of the hole and unwrap them? And then Frog's like, yeah, that's actually a good point. What if we do decide to do that? So let's find somewhere else to hide them. Um, yeah, the the story is pretty fun. Uh, they're they're all um, fifteen minute, I think, like episodes. The way they're split up, so um, yeah, definitely a young kids thing, but fun, fun, fun little short. I and I appreciate Apple TV has this this wide range still, where they 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 put out these high quality young kid shows, uh, no, like old age shows, through to other stuff we're talking about, like Silo and whatever else. So okay, it's interesting. I thought this was like a Wind in the Willows type of series, but apparently it's not. No, it's not Wind in the Willows, no. That's a different thing. That's a different thing with Toads. Yep. Crazy. Uh, all right. I watched the first episode of White House Plumbers, the new series starring uh, Justin Throw and Woody Harrelson following the Watergate kind of scandal. Um, in it wasn't which, a kind uh, of scandal. It was a scandal. It was a scandal, sorry. Uh, <laughs> didn't need that pref- yeah. Um In which uh, Woody Harrelson and Justin Thoreau play spies who get recruited to help with the president's, President Nixon's uh, presidential campaign to get re-elected. Uh, and they perform a bunch of... They perform they're a major part in the Watergate scandal. Uh, definitely an interesting series. Um uh, is it one episode? Or two one episode out so far. Yeah. I didn't really love it. it it's it's fine. Uh, it just feels like it's trying way too hard to be comedic. The film that comes to mind <laughs> is Don't Look Up. It's like that kind of like trying to be funny, like all every single scene, and like is very ridiculous characters doing very ridiculous things. Uh, very over the top stuff. Which characters annoy you the most? I mean, kind of everybody. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm pre- that um, Justin Thoreau's character. If you look up the video, that's how he was. That's how he was. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there is an extended sequence in which uh, Justin Thoreau's character has Woody Harrelson and his wife, played by Lena Headey, over for dinner. Uh, this is the light, she- the scene in the trailer with the the, the match or whatever. No. Okay. They have him over for dinner, uh, and he's like, hey, I want to show you something really cool. And then he starts playing a record with a speech by Hitler uh, at a very loud volume for a very extended period of time. 
is like, what the fuck is up with this character? Um, yeah, it, it seems like they're just setting it up for like a bunch of bumbling idiots doing a bunch of uh, bungling a bunch of different things. So yeah, I don't know. I might give it another episode to see if it interesting because I'm, 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 yeah. I haven't I haven't checked this out yet, but I'm, I've been very keen. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's just not clicking for me. So. White House Plum is currently playing on Binge. Uh, and then, Dylan, you watched a documentary called Living with Chucky. Yeah, so this is about um, the covers, the Chucky films, the history, but also it's called Living with Chucky because it's the... I can't remember his name. Let me try and find it quickly if I can. It's the so the films being made by the daughter of the, the main, like, current puppeteer that's worked on the majority of these movies behind Chucky so it's this whole thing of the movies done in a way of I think it's Tony Gardner maybe yeah that's it Tony Gardner and it's directed by Kira Eloise Gardner um so she's the daughter so it's the the movie sort of covers how there's this family sort of bond between all the people that have been making these these movies you know like um Brad Dorff who's the voice of Chucky his daughter uh Fiona has like grew up on a set kind of or hearing about Chucky and then she's now in the films and she was added in and like um I can't remember the fifth one or whatever and she's now in those and then you've you've got um then you've got the the puppeteer you've got Tony Gardner and then you've got his daughter who grew up around then hearing about Chucky and now she's making the thing like it's it's like sort of done from this family affair part of way uh in while as adding in and giving a little bit of history behind the Chucky movies as well. I felt like it was a solid, fun documentary. It definitely doesn't go deep in, on anything in particular. It's it's definitely for people who, if you already enjoy Chucky as a franchise and enjoy a lot of the, the, the movies anyway, you're going to get a kick out of watching this and just hearing people talk, you know, primarily very positively about every single film in the franchise um and everyone involved with it it's just like a celebration of chucky and the the team behind it um and horror in 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 part also just horror as a genre and how a lot of horror film franchises become these sort of family affairs especially a lot of the the bigger ones as people work on them and and stuff like that um it does touch on i wish it had gone a bit bigger in it but it does also touch on how like um chucky chucky has this this odd unknown sort of um like uh fandom or like tie-in like was one of the earliest sort of weird horror movies that uh, introduced like lgbt uh q elements with characters and stuff like that which isn't like a known thing because the creator is a, a gay man himself but the yeah that would have been a little bit interesting to go deeper on or um but yeah overall i'd say it's worth checking out if you're you're a fan of chucky and the films all right that's everything i watched this year let's move into some film news and really there's uh not a lot because there's a riot strike going on and a lot of stuff is being shut down um yeah have have you seen have you seen the coverage of the first week of the rider strike because it's been a bit mixed um, like as in the reaction like, yeah like or stories being written and that kind of stuff. I feel like the majority of the stories, at least I'm seeing pop up from places I read, are phased in a, a positive way. 
I haven't seen anyone really be like fucking like I look in the comments and I see comp- like people complaining. You see stories come up about how Blade's been delayed and Stranger yeah. Things delayed and all this sort of stuff that anyone with their brain screwed on was expecting because as soon as we knew the Rider Strike was happening, yes. Um, but people commenting like, oh, these fucking whingy riders and, you know, that's whatever. They're just the, the comment sections. But most of the outlets I follow, people I follow, have been on the positive side. That I definitely, and I was saying the other day to someone, I think it was my dad I was talking to about, but I was saying like, I, as someone who remembers the last Rider Strike hmm. um, and was like reading film magazines and whatever else, even at that point, I do feel like the coverage and general response from most either people within the industry or writing about the industry has been more in line with wanting what's best for the writers this time compared to last time, which was a lot more negative. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've seen mostly positive stuff. There's just been the occasional story. Like, um, I'm sure you saw the sign going around the, obviously, bunch of hilarious signs at the pick the strikes uh, yeah lots uh but i saw a lot of negative headlines with the one saying that they were mocking jenna orgatega with yeah, the one that, that says they were quite funny without though. riders there's nothing <laughs> for jenna orgatega to punch up yeah. um which is a term meaning to make better yeah. or improve on um and stuff like that and obviously all the headlines like blade delayed and that kind of stuff and that kind of stuff i feel like can be misconstrued into being negative towards writers and that kind of stuff. But uh, I think mostly it's been very successful. Like a lot of productions have had to shut down, like even ones that they were planning to try and work through the writer yeah. strike. Like uh, I think succession, no, not succession, uh, severance. Severance shut, shut down, down this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think they plan to, but like yeah. everybody kind of went on board and uh, shut down. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see how, Things progress. Uh, the big breaking news, I feel like, this morning is studios have moved to suspend TV overall deals amid the WGA strike. Uh, the ne- writer strike is now impacting overall deals just days into the work stoppage. Major, t- major TV studios have started sending out letters to writer producers under overall and first look agreements telling them that their deals are being suspended. Uh, reading from Deadline, no one that I've no one will comment, but I hear Warner Brothers Television, Universal Studio Group, CBS, and Disney's tele- televisions, 20th Century, and ABC Signature, among those that have sent notifications with Sony Pictures Television relaying the message in conversations with the representatives or informal emails. Uh, HBO's notifications apparently have gone out with David Simon, the writer of uh, The Wire, and uh, what was his? What was the, the one I liked? The Baltimore one she liked? Yeah, whatever that was called. I can't remember actually now. But... Yeah. Uh, he revealed on Twitter that he got the call about his deal being suspended after 25 years of writing television for them, uh, as he is spending another day on the WGA picket lines. Um, there's been speculation that you know the writers, the the producers may want the strike to continue for an extended period of time, um, so that they could enforce like a force majeure uh, clause on a lot of these overall deal contracts thus rendering them null, null and void um but yeah seeing this first kind of movements from the studios to like kind of uh cut off a lot of money to uh these these uh you know deals is kind of interesting or like not a very good sign mm. i 
I don't know. I, <clears throat> I, I feel like it's hard to talk about because I don't fully understand the, like, you. I, I haven't, it's not like we can speak to, have you, it's like none of us have spoke to writers. We don't know, like, anyone, no. you know, to be like, what, what is it that is, like, fully, what, like, what is the, what would be the, the worst case scenario acceptance? What would be the best, you know what I mean? Like, that sort of. What's the bare minimum? Yeah. What's the bare minimum? Like, that's the part that I, I don't know, and I wouldn't want to guess. Yeah. I guess. I guess, I guess. I wouldn't want to guess how i feel no. about it but i hope yeah. they get everything they want <laughs> yeah i saw christopher nolan and jonathan nolan were out today so i picture them on twitter this morning well the other thing is that a lot of the other unions deals are about to come up as well so uh it might not just be the writers on strike yeah. very soon the the weirdest reaction i'm saying is people like freaking out like it's gonna be the end of the world when see to me i think this is all fantastic because I'm like, all these people uh, 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 picketing for, for things I can fully understand and I hope they get it all. But I'm also like, if all these shows get delayed, holy fuck, do I have so much stuff I'd like to catch up on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, people who are freaking out, like, there'll be nothing to watch. I'm like, are you insane? Have you watched it? <laughs> have you, have you watched you literally like, everything? Yeah. Like, the amount of stuff, I the, the fear of, like, running out of stuff the, to, to watch is insanity to me the fear that we'll get stuff like quantum of solace and whatever else i don't think that's a thing that i think I, well i would presume at least as far as i've seen none of these major all everyone's stopping now any major movie tv show they're stopping that most of them aren't pushing through without anyone involved the only one i've seen that is is um who was it lord of the rings was that yeah they're continuing production they're continuing and, production uh, yeah Game of Thrones, oh, House of the Dragon, that's House continuing Dragon. production. Yeah. Um, and then Andor is also continuing production. But a lot of their scripts were very, very, especially in, even in the first season, like very locked down. Yeah, uh, they get weird because they're yeah. filming in... Britain. But also they're filming overseas, so yeah. you know, it's different because they can't pick it directly in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the major difference. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, lots of projects been delayed. Of course, uh, like you said, Stranger Things uh severance a lot of projects like in early pre-production um but even shows like abbott and yellow jackets the next seasons have their writers rooms have already said they're they've been delayed so yeah when they'll be back who knows yeah a lot of these shows i love and i hope the people that make the things i love get what they want get what they want there's the normal reaction to have to these stories yep uh on a more positive note uh the mtv movie t- movie and tv awards were held over the weekend uh interestingly they decided not to r- r- do it live and did pre-recorded uh because of the writer strike uh drew barrymore was set to host but she what pulled out in solidarity uh i don't think there was even a red carpet or anything from what i heard uh but yeah the big winner of the night scream six best movie Beating out Avatar The Way of Water, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Nope, Smile, and Top Gun Maverick. Is that surprising to you that Scream 6, best movie of the last four months, according to MTV Movie Award fans? No. 
What's surprising is that you keep bringing up the MTV Movie Awards when I tell you every year that I don't give any fucks about the MTV Movie Awards. Uh, it's a popularity contest. It's not a real thing. Scream 6 is a good movie, but it's not as good as whoever's on that list. It's just a voting popularity thing for young kids. I, it's You might as well be telling me who's winning K-Zone Movie of the Year. Do they make that magazine still? K-Zone? Yes. Yep. I don't think they have a Movie Awards. Well, if they did, we'll cover it. Wouldn't we? Yeah. It's a quiet week. To- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Scrim 6. Congrats, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll begin another night. Other big winners. Tom Cruise winning Best Performance in a Movie for Top Gun Maverick. Jen Ortega winning for Best Performance in a Show. Adam Sandler for Murder Mystery 2 winning Best Comedic Performance. Pedro Pascal for the- winning Best Hero for The Last of Us. So people having a little bit of backlash or blow back to that because mm. <laughs> is he a hero? I mean, to a lot of Americans, he probably is. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge won for best fr- most frightened performance for The White Lotus uh, and gave a speech in solidarity solidarity to writers. Best fight went to Gal Weathers versus Ghostface in Scream Six over John Wick versus everybody. No, nope. so. Maybe you're right. Maybe this is a popularity contest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. And Jennifer Coolidge received the Comedic Genius Award. So, congrats. We got one Coolidge. right. That's true. Best show went to the last of us as well. So, uh, Pedro Pascal accepted the awards and said, shout out, they can't be here. Writer strike. Go team. Yeah. As far as I saw. Yeah. So yeah, let's move into giving some thumbs to the trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, we'll kick things off with a trailer that trailer that dropped just before we started recording. Meg Two: The Trench, directed by Ben Wheatley, starring Jason Satham, Wu Jing, Sienna Guillory, Cliff Curtis, Skylar Samuels, Paige Kennedy, Shuya Sophia Kai, and Sergio Perez Mincheta. Dive into the uncharted waters with Jason Statham and global action icon Wu Jing as they lead a daring research team on an exploratory dive into the deepest depths of the ocean. Their voyage spirals into chaos when a malevolent mining operation threatens their mission and forces them into a high-stakes battle for survival. Pitted against the colossal megs and relentless environmental plunders, our heroes must outrun, outsmart, and outswim their merciless predators in a pulse-pounding race against time. Uh, Dylan, we heard there was a trailer coming for the Meg 2 uh, involving dinosaurs and megalodons. Did this trailer live up to your expectations? Yeah, I'm going to double thumbs up on this one. I really like the trailer. It's fun vibes. Uh, it made me go, did I like the first one or did I think it was okay? I can't actually remember. I don't, I don't remember. Like, obviously, I don't think it was great, but did I like it or did like, I can't how I feel about the first movie, so um, I know, might have to rewatch it, I guess, but uh, this looks really fun, it looks to not be fully serious it also, when the trailer started, and I had a lot of them going underwater to the trench, and I was like, fuck, the whole movie better not be down here, this is gonna be terrible and then when they showed so much sharks just eating people at the beach, I was like, yeah this is what we want, baby <laughs> Jason Statham riding a wave to like plunge a shark in the face yeah, this movie just feels like it has a, at least based on the trailer, maybe it's just the way it's edited, but at least feels like it's got a lighter, funner vibe, knowing it's a bit yep. stupid. 
um, which I appreciate. So I'll go double thumbs up. Yeah, I'll give double thumbs up as well. I think they've realized what this movie is and what this franchise should be. Yeah. <laughs> Just ridiculous sharks doing ridiculous things. You know, the woman tapping on the glass saying, oh, this is megalodon proof. Uh, you're all safe and then the shark just comes straight through the window Uh, dummy Uh, (laughs) this trailer has uh jason statham riding a jet ski on a massive wave yep which physically with a harpoon which physically should not be possible i don't think he also has a part Uh, where like a shark comes up on a um, a little boy or whatever, like a, the end of a dock or whatever, and he manages to stop it by putting his foot out. <laughs> uh, no, my favorite shot was the the. There's a couple in like one of those paddle boats. Yeah, and they start like going fast. Yeah. <laughs> just going fast, and then they just get need the hole. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, finally, a good shark movie. I'm right. Mm. Uh, in a, in a while. Um, yeah. So Meg two. Coming to cinemas on the 3rd of August. Looking forward to that. Uh, next trailer, Deadlock, uh, created by Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan, starring Kate Box, Madeline Sammy, uh, Nina Oyama, Tom Ballard, Alicia Gardner, Susie Yusuf. The Tasmanian town of Lock, don't, uh, the Tasmanian town of Deadlock, a once sleepy seaside hamlet, is left reeling when a local man turns up dead on the beach. Two female detectives are thrown together to solve the case. Uh, for two, local senior sergeant Dulcie Collins and a rougher's guts blow in from Darwin. Senior investigator Eddie Redcliffe, along with their over-eager junior constable Abby, as the town prepares to launch the annual arts, food, and culture festival, Winter Festival, the trio must put their differences aside and work together to find the killer. Dylan, what do you think of this TV series set in Tasmania? I don't know where, I don't know where this came from. What the fuck? I could play on this trailer and I didn't know what it was, and then I was like, "What? A, what is this?" Uh, I'm gonna drop a thumbs up. I very weird trailer. I'm all about it. Obviously, it's got a particular set of humor that I guess you have to be down for. But yeah, I'm going double double thumbs up. I'll support the dead body Tazzy show. Yeah, that's what Tasmania needs more dead bodies. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll give this two thumbs up as well. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of the the Kate McCartney, Kate McLennan stuff, like the Get Kraken or the catering show on the ABC and stuff, but uh, they're very popular and they've done a lot of good work. And this looks like a lot of fun. And like uh, Tom Ballard being in it, it's really cool. Uh, yeah, really good, fun murder mystery, I guess. <laughs> Uh, making fun of like, uh, I guess it's kind of like a, what's the David Tennant murder mystery? The one that had a few seasons. Yes. Yeah. That one. With Jodie Whittaker. That one. It wasn't Jodie Whittaker. It was, oh no, she was in it too. But I was was the the other main character was, um, Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Broad Beach. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I think. Yeah, that broad, is it. No, Broad Church. Broad That's Church. That's it. That's broad it. Church. And then they did an American uh, remake of David Tennant as well, called Broad Church. Yes. So yeah, this is coming to Amazon Prime, another Australian series coming to... Yeah, Amazon, really supporting. No, so it's coming to Prime Video on June yeah. 2nd. Yeah. Uh, next trailer, Chasing Chasing Amy, uh, directed by Sav Rogers, starring uh, Kevin Smith, Gwyneth Turner, 
Joey Lauren, Adams, Scott Mosier, Sav Rogers, uh, Andrew Arn, Kevin Wilmot, Trish Bendix, Princess Weeks, Regina Riley Rogers. Uh, 12-year-old Sav Rogers watched the film Chasing Amy and his life was forever changed, developing a kinship and maybe a slight obsession with it as he grew into his queerness. He decides to find and direct a documentary that examines its role in LGBTQ plus film culture. He makes significant progress, even garnering the support and collaboration of its director, Kevin Smith. However, as the production of the documentary continues, Rogers realizes that the legacy of the film and his relationship with it might be changing. So where does that leave him? Uh, Dylan, you're a big Kevin Smith fan. What do you think of this documentary called Chasing Chasing Amy? Yeah, I think this looks really good. This is really interesting. Whenever, so when we did our podcast, uh, Radio Movies, and we discussed Chasing Amy, it was, there was a discussion around like, okay, how is this? How is the representation in this film treated now? And I was of the side of like, I don't think if this released now, this would be considered good representation i think i can appreciate that at the time it was trying to be progressive i guess that there was good intentions but yeah i i feel like this is i i think this is going to be really interesting i'm definitely down to watch this yeah I'm, it, this looks really good i think it, it's going to raise a lot of interesting questions and i think especially i don't know i think if you made the movie like this now it would well. It wouldn't be so surprising because you know, sexuality is very fluid within a lot of people and that kind of stuff. And we understand the LGBTQ community is like more discussed and that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, they make a bunch of jokes about like the whole Ben Affleck of it all. <laughs> it's like, um, and obviously, it's being made by like a big fan of the the film. So, uh. Yeah, I'm I'm keen to check this out whenever it comes to Australia. It is set to debut at the Tribeca Film Festival, uh, running from June eighth to June fifteenth. So there is no current Australian release It'll date. It'll randomly drop on like digital one day or something. On something, like yes. Yeah. Uh, next trailer is for The Clearing, uh, created by Elsie McCready and the Matt Cameron, starring Teresa Palmer, Miranda Otto. Guy Pierce and Julia Savage. Uh, a woman is forced to confront the nightmares of her past in order to stop a secret cult intent on gathering children to fulfill its master plan. Dylan, what do you think of this Australian TV series? This is also set in Tassie. Is it? Tasmanian, nothing but dead bodies and cults. Oh no, I, I felt, it looked like it was set in Tassie. Um, I think it looks good. I, I'm going to go one up, one down the trailer just because I, I feel like I was... Uh, just weirdly edited and this just i don't know there's something off about it to me a little bit but i'm keen to watch it i really like the cast um there's a bunch of people in this i really like including when i looked it up afterwards shout out to this guy i keep mentioning that is in fucking everything i swear i watch at the moment that um harry greenwood dude who shows up right at the end of class at 07 and is in bump um and that can't affect movie and now he's in this this motherfucker is everywhere i swear to god um Claudia Cavan's in this, Cavan, um, who is, of course, from Bump, um, Kate Mulvaney, uh, Miranda Otto, Guy Pearce, Teresa Palmer, of course, Julia Savage. Like, the fucking cast is, is a banger stacked. of cast, stacked cast, I think. So, uh, Matt O'Kine's in this. There's your other radio host. So, um, <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got the split there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll go one up, one down for the, the trailer itself, but very keen to watch the actual series. 
Yeah, I'll go one up, one down as well. I mean, it's uh, there's some striking visuals with the very blonde children, um, but this trailer doesn't really give much of anything. It's like a very kind of feels very generic, I guess. Uh, like, there's this woman, she's got issues. There's these children. It's like, how is it all connected? Or like, even in a hint, um, you get to see Hugo Weaving look menacing, kind of, in a second. You get to see Miranda Minute. Mendo, yeah, Miranda Otto look menacing for a minute. Uh, but yeah, there's very little context. Xavier Samuels in this? I missed that. I was just going to cast. I mean, yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. But yeah, it could be promising. But yeah, it, it, this trailer didn't do a lot for me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this uh, series is coming to Disney Plus on the 24th of May. Not far away. Final trailer for this week. It's the big one. Dune, part two. Uh, directed by Denny Villeneuve, starring Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley, Henderson, Stellan Skarsgård, Charlotte Rambling, Harvey Obnardin, Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Christopher Walken, and Leah Sadeau. Paul Atreides reunites with Channing and the Freeman while seeking revenge against the conspirators who destroyed his family. Facing a choice between the love of his life and the fate of the universe, he must prevent a terrible future only he can foresee. Dylan, what do you think of the Dune Part 2 trailer? Double thumbs up. Give it to me now. Inject that shit straight into my veins. Cool. I also give it two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> this is just some, it's just a well put together. The way that builds up to the worm riding part. Um, yep. I get to see Florence Pugh in here looking great. You got Austin Butler, Butler looking horrible. Um, you got Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> unrecognizable. Yeah, really unrecognizable. I got fucking um, Rebecca Ferguson with face tattoos now. Um, Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet look like they're actually, uh, like their chemistry is a little bit different here, which means that they're, they're good actors. Well, they're, 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 they're actually in love now. <laughs> their chemistry in the first movie, she was like, I fucking hate you. So we'll get to see that build up. Um, well, in the first movie, it was all dreams. Yeah, yeah, except so, for the last second. Yeah, now we will actually get to see the dream. The shot at the end where he's like gathering up the whole um, the army um, to fight back. Uh, the shot where he just does that, where he's about to fight Austin Butler with the fucking knife thing on his head and yes. whatever else. That's really cool. But yeah, I mean, obviously, first movie. There's a whole black and white section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking, it's a wild. This looks great. I can't wait. This is cinema, baby. Yeah, cinema's <laughs> back. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um that it looks fantastic it's only been two years since the the first one came out so he went to, yeah no they, hold on there was a massive delay with the first one was the thing and we we had this discussion but after, they hadn't confirmed the second movie until after the first one came out yeah but i remember discussing that when we finally watched june that we were like i bet you we'll feel great because we'll have a the, the, the wait time will feel less because they right when the first one was coming out they're like we're doing the second one and i was like man if they start production pretty fast it means that we'll have a very short wait time compared to everyone else and i think that's what's happening yeah. so <laughs> yeah i mean can't complain it looks fantastic no. um everybody looks yeah awesome butler like weird creepy uh unrecognizable white yeah Awesome, but so that character is the son of uh, Dave Bautista. I think that's how that yes, goes. Who's the son of Don Skarsgård's yeah. bathtub dude. Bathtub dude, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, 
definitely one of the most anticipated movies of the year. Dune Part 2 coming 2nd of November. Uh, Alright, let's move into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. And in honor of the coronation, we're doing top three movie That's kings. the connection, right. That I is was, the connection. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, three kings who may or may, may not be better than the current king. Because when I saw yeah. this, I was like, why the fuck are we doing kings? Is it because of June? But, okay. Yeah. Yes. World events, Dylan. World events. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dylan, what's your number three? Number three. Jared Butler as King Leonidas in 300. This is Sparta, bitch. <laughs> I don't know if he had the bitch, but... <laughs> no, that was... If Aaron Paul played him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, one of the most memorable leaders, uh, kings of anyone. I mean, that movie, everyone in high school, at least as far as I remember, was obsessed with 300. And, um, yeah. Still, that's still one stand. It seems I haven't watched the movie in years to know if it still holds up, to be completely honest. But, um, yeah. This is Sparta, one of the greatest lines ever muttered by any king ever. Yeah. Really good movie, kind of co-opted by the right wing from what I've heard. Yeah. So. Sucks. As you would expect. Yeah. Uh, my number three. Oh. King Ralph from the movie King Ralph. Fuck's King it's a film Ralph. in which. So this is a movie where John Goodman plays a, uh, like a lounge singer in Las Vegas. Uh, and then the whole royal family gets killed in an electrical accident. And it turns out he is a lost. Uh, he's the next in line through lineage. So he's brought to uh, England and made the king. It's a fun, silly film. Uh, but John Goodman's John Goodman in it. So really enjoyable. And the big thing is, spoilers for the movie, he abdicates the throne at the end of the film. He's like, being king, not a great idea. Almost your number two. Uh, my number two is James L. Jones as Mufasa in The Lion King. Dylan, my number two is James L. Jones as Mufasa in The Lion King. <laughs> uh, one of the most memorable animated films of all time, obviously. Um, one of the most heartbreaking moments you could ever watch as a kid. Uh, seeing him die. I don't know. Like, what else is it? I don't know how much. It's just one of the most memorable. He's able to keep an uh, entire animal species like all the animals coexisting even though yeah. a that's bunch how good, of that's how good of a other. king he is yeah. yeah if if one of your people have to eat other people to survive and you're still all living together reasonably peacefully mm. that's pretty impressive Dylan what's your number one king in films my number one king from the films is um fuck uh, Vigo Mortensen as Aragon in the Lord of the Rings John, my number one is Figaro Watson as Aragon in the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> oh, there you go. We had one different. <laughs> <laughs> what a great list. Uh, yeah, I mean, Aragon's Aragon. Yeah. I got, nothing, I got nothing else to say. The dude Again. opens the door in slow motion better than no one else. It's true. <laughs> we all love a reluctant king. You know, we don't want a king who desperately wants to be king. Yeah, like this motherfucker who just got crowned. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, fantastic. Even though we don't get to actually see him be king, or I mean, kingly, you do. I guess. You don't get to see him crowned, but you get to see him king at the end of the movie. But also, yeah. you get to see him make the choice to uh, accept his uh, his birthright or what have you. 
yes. as king and finally lead the the battle sort of happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Fuck, I forgot about the segment again. God damn it. Um every, <laughs> like, I, I was on a roll. Uh what is that? Yeah, I mean I would love to watch Infinity Pool in the cinema if I could. That would be my actual pick for movie of the week. Um, otherwise, I'm going to say my real pick would be... Oh, Hysteria, the Bone Woman's finally coming out on uh, a Shudder? Yeah, Shudder. So this is a movie that uh, has been talked about a lot. I know in like horror blogs and stuff I, I follow is like a really good one from this year. So I've been waiting for this to come out to, to watch. Uh, I can't remember what country it's from, to be completely honest. But looking forward to watch that. And then my... TV show pick is going to be uh, let's go City of Fire that starts out the one we talked about like a, a week ago or two weeks ago the trailer yeah, yeah, yeah a couple weeks ago yeah, yeah. alright uh, my movie pick is the kids film on Disney Plus Crater I don't know if you watched the trailer for this uh, but it's a bunch of kids uh, who are living on the moon uh, and decide to go for a dry ride and explore the moon sure sure why not it looks fun is this a spin-off uh, of Ad Astra? No. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. It could be set in the same universe, but... Uh, then my TV pick coming out day of release, The Muppets Mayhem. Give me the... To, give me the Muppet goodness. Give me Animal. Well, in the music industry. Do, 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 do. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's what we want to watch this week. <laughs> Uh, let us know what you want to watch this week uh, what your top three kings are by going to explosion.com slash twitter or jump to discord at explosion.com slash discord uh, if you want to help us out here at what do you want to watch leave us a review on apple Podcasts or on podchaser leave us five stars anyone can leave five stars or just tell people about the show and if you've enjoyed this episode thoughts worth a dollar head on over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash supports thank you very much for listening until next time Keep watching stuff, I guess. I'm going to tell you the funniest tweet I just saw. <laughs> this yeah, motherfucker okay. like, tweeted, this quote retweeted a picture of um, where it's discussing films. Like, first look at Albert Einstein and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. And someone quite retweeted it and said, going to react to this like when Spider-Man showed up at Civil War. <laughs> 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 Good deal. Yeah.